In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com. This first keynote speech at the AHC Group for Corporate Leaders, given by David Gibbons, presenter and historian of In Discussions, Evolving International New Media Programming, talks to sustainability and environmental issues. Achieving Results Leadership Workshop Series is a process of transformational corporate learning featuring the experiences and innovations of leading international organizations. Since 1990, these ongoing benchmarking workshops have provided an intimate peer-to-peer sanctuary for leadership mentoring, high-level executive debate, and discussion of the issues most relevant to the major global corporations. Amongst those attending high-level representatives from Bear Crop Science, Chrysler, Natco, and Shaw Industries, amongst many other leading companies. Welcome to the Outside Broadcast Keynote Series at the 2011 Annual Corporate Speaker Workshop, Phoenix, Arizona. It's a great pleasure to be here, and I am going to inspire you today with some English literature as we go along. If you want people to listen, you have to have a platform to speak from, and that is excellence in what you do. My life has been studying English literature, but it's also been in the corporate community. So I understand how you think, how you feel, how you approach. My job is to provide a platform where I am pragmatic, fair and balanced, and mandate is that you can find in me a friend. And I talk to everybody, programs, everything from politics to religion to corporate business, world affairs, current affairs, even at times the conspiracy theorists. And it's my job to make sure that everybody has a voice. I was approached by friends of mine at the BBC back in the spring of 2009. The BBC is a very changing organization now, and they are very quickly going into the interactive world, as you can see by their website. And friends of mine at BBC Scotland, I think they were setting me up. They said, look, you're in the States, you're well-read, good on the radio, you're good in film, give it a go. And I took up the challenge. And after 14 months, we now have over 350 hours of archived programs, one hour a day. I'm very research intensive. When I first started out, I was spending about eight hours on each program. I've learnt my trade, work by intuition understand how people think to the point now on my radio programs that I can actually gauge what people are going to say to me before they say it. Research heavy to the point now after 14 months where two hours a program, refined my approach, 
and have been extremely blessed. I was not prepared for the response to this, frankly. I knew that going onto the internet was a huge risk. Could have gone down the FM, AM, traditional route. But I decided not to. I like taking risks. And it just so happens that the risk was a good one. The BBC certainly see within three or four years that they will be fully interactive with everything. And one of these fine gentlemen earlier pointed that out, that the internet is becoming and will become the strongest medium in the world within a very short space of time. The audiences have amazed me. I thought that my audience would be North America. We receive our stats. The audience is worldwide. Very blessed again to be with a company, Gateway Media, that has servers throughout the world uh, through a company called Highwinds, and that allows us to broadcast this to every continent. We are getting huge response from Asia, from North America, and in particular, South America. So we started this on November the 30th, and I should say before I continue that one of the blessings in my life, and I say this with great sincerity, is Bruce Piasecki. I met Bruce in the April or May, and he has, and I hope that I have reciprocated, taught me so much. We have a meeting of minds. He loves literature as I do, and it's very important to look at literature going forward. There are a lot of writers that you don't necessarily want to resonate with, but there are definitely writers who had no power base, no agenda, and therefore they're as applicable today as they were 100, 200, 300 years ago. I'm not a journalist. I see myself rather going away from this word humanitarian recently, but I think I am, but I'm not a journalist. I think differently. I certainly don't think in the same terms or discourse that the main media would think. Mandate of my vision is to leave a legacy in these programs that will be able to guide our future younger generations. And about six weeks uh, when I was working with my friends at the BBC, remember putting this website together and having, frankly, a very little clue about where I was going with it, except that they did tell me, be structured. And therefore, in this programming, we always have world affairs on Monday, current affairs on Tuesday. It goes through arts and entertainment. It goes through spirituality, religion. But there are a lot of unknowns. But I did write this on the website. And I truly believe it, that we are the generation of all generations. By very fact that we have so much technology that you have talked about this morning that is available to us, that has never been available before, because in the past, although we have had great philosophers and leaders and writers, they have never been able to communicate the way that we have. And we have the technology now that we can communicate across the world in a heartbeat. The downside to that is that we have a society and a people at the moment who are almost ADD'd out with information, and I see it every day. And that's something that we have to refine.
I certainly have no vision of becoming a main media, although I'm reliably told that I'm fast becoming the new main media. So I try not to get into corporate alliances or sponsorship from corporations at the moment. I want to get into associations with corporations that are walking the talk. And I see that happening, and I have to say, Gary, that I was inspired this morning by your talk. I am involved with a whole community taught by the greatest leaders of our time, mentored by the astronaut Brian O'Leary, the famous uh, Professor William Tiller, and a whole host of other people. And the one thing that I'm noticing that was raised this morning is that you are not given due credit because you are insulated. And that is perception, and that has to change. Because I see this morning that you really do have a vision and that you really are thinking about green technology. The question is, how do you get that out there? This lovely lady over here who I met a couple of nights ago made a very good point this morning. The main media is not doing it anymore. Main media is talking about the wrong things. They are providing sound bites of issues and events that don't play in any sort of part in people's long-term vision. So what we're doing in this programming is we are providing one hour uninterrupted intellectually based but what I do and if it's my gift is I disarm people play stupid sometimes on purpose and I ask simple questions because my focus is my audience it's not the guest and it's certainly not me because in discussion going forward is yours I'm very narrative led and therefore in every program I have a definitive three-level structure. Always need to know what the disturbance is. Desire to go through overcoming those disturbances with the guest so that the audience can resonate with that and they can understand it and they can see that they're not alone. Literature is very important. There is a lot of literature that we should discard, but there's also a lot that we should look at. We must be very careful at who we listen to. It is the writers who did not come from any power base or any agenda. The Shakespeare's to me and the Chaucer's are very important in this. I'm always thinking about literature. It does apply. We have to look forward, but it does still apply. We know that a lot of history is written by the winners or the victors, and it's not necessarily right. That's where we often get it wrong, and that's what I consider to be a conditioning. So what I try to do is refer to impartial writers, profound writers who are as applicable today as they were when they wrote their prose or their narrative. Again, it's important, but I see just listening here today that it's very, very important for us to look forward and not always look back. Uh, philosophical principles are very important. A lot of people steer away from them. And I also look at scientific theories and I may say this later, but it's extremely important that the corporate community listen to both sides. The new scientists have incredible theories and zero-point energies considered esoteric, but in actual fact they are part of our future, so I include them. 
And when it comes to the spiritual context, I look at Gnostic, I look at modern views. A slight shift recently, steering away from religion, not because I don't respect every religion, but I find it creates obstacles, and I would rather not go down that road. Recently come up with an idea that I'm applying to crossing over the bridge, as I truly believe, and this is where you wonderful people come in, is that technology and science in the future will equal spirituality. The scientists I always see live in their boxes. They depend on you as the corporate establishments to help them to create their theories. And I noticed yesterday that President Obama talked about putting more investment into R&D. That applies here, and I think it's very important. I certainly wouldn't say that that comes out of the coffers of the government. It has to come out of the private sector, but it's of relevance here. So I'm going to go on to uh, the bridging program from uh, Kelj Magbondovic. Knowledge of other people's beliefs and ways of thinking must be used to build bridges, not to create conflicts. And the bridging programs connecting up new scientists, quantum traditional scientists with corporate leaders, bringing them all together. I'm going to bring them on with the corporate community so they can understand where you see technology going today and how they see technology going. Everybody has a forum. The crossing over the bridge actually is taking precedence over other programs right now. It's been a quantum leap. As it expands, I'm told by those close to me not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So far, I have been talking to the conscious communities, to the scientists, to the new scientists. And now moving into the quantum physicists, the quantum scientists, who we consider as the traditional scientists. And then very quickly this coming month, bringing in corporate leaders and see two sides to it, uh, wrong or right on my part. I think it's more about terminology with me, but I see the establishment on one side, and I see a whole community of people, a conscious community on the other, and just simply connecting them. And this is what main media hasn't done, isn't doing, and will never do. They do not have the right methodology to do that. And in these corporate governance, stakeholder responsibilities, social contract is very important. The governance, from my perspective, going forward is a new type of governance. I don't believe that it's going to be the post-Second World War platforms that will be able to take us into what I consider as a new epoch. We are definitely birthing an evolutionary process here, and that could be a hundred years. I don't think it will be. Because I don't think that if the corporate community does not steer the boat in the right direction very quickly, there won't be a civilization left. And we've seen that with the BP oil disaster in the Gulf. I do cry a lot in the very early morning hours when I get emails from people in that region. One of the downfalls of my situation now is that I am being inundated by people, especially from Louisiana, plagued with diseases, bacteria that is literally eating them alive, with whole industries that are disappearing, especially in fishing. And I think that we have to look at that very carefully. I'm talking today to the 
future heroes of this world who have the capability to take care of these things. Negotiation, I also put down there that I talk in terms of a written narrative, but also a symbolic language. It's very important. Programs are actually being listened to across the world. And I know that people have two ways of looking at things. They either like to listen or they like an image or a symbol. Uh, hence why recently I've been talking to scholars in ancient civilizations. particular one that I sought out was the worldwide scholar on the Dogon civilization in North Africa who worked completely on symbology, no written word. And so I'm educating the listener to see this program as we go forward, not only in that visual aspect, but also to be able to listen as well, refining that as we go along. Sustainability, I have difficulty with that, hear it all the time and, uh, and it has merit. I wonder whether in the programming that may change that terminology, I suspect it will. Sustainability to me at this point is literally finding a way to change the way we do things before Mother Earth comes to a grinding halt. And I don't think that we should underestimate that Mother Earth will come to a grinding halt unless we take positive action. Science is a very important one. I'm not going to hit it too much, but there is a whole conscious community that I work with, uh, both in the Amazon, in Ecuador, in North Africa, and in Asia, who are running to this program, who look at new science. And new science to them is very much along the same lines as, as what you're looking at. It's just an accelerated view. It is looking at zero-point energy. Zero-point energy, just a brief definition, is a universal energy. It's not just talking about energy as in powering cars or heating our houses. It's actually an energy that defines who we are as human beings. And it's going to become very important in the future. And this is part of the community that talks about the 2012 prophecies. Mayan calendar coming to this end and they, they talk about all of these issues and I have to say that I resonate with it. It's not the end of the world. It is an epoch and that's what we're going through. Education, I am mentored by a wonderful gentleman in San Francisco. I met him recently and I said, well, define the program. And he says it's very simple. It's education. That's an inspiration. And that's why I go away from this label of being a journalist. Indigenous communities are extremely important as well, and our site, something that John Perkins recently talked about. John Perkins is the former economic hitman who wrote the book Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Become a great friend. He was on a bridge program recently, and he came from the Amazon last year, spends a lot of time down there examining the indigenous societies, examining how they think, learn from them, and bring that back to you. And recently he was with a tribe, very profound and it, it certainly applies today, is that they said to him that we are all at the moment walking every day looking down at our feet. What we have to do is we have to walk looking straight ahead. We all think by looking down, what is the stock market going to do today? Are we going to make any money today? Are we going to be able to sustain our population today? We, we need
need to reach a, a dialogue uh, that can be commonly understood by people and work towards some end. And uh, for me, consciousness, I think, can be defined by a little story. When I first lived in the Amazon and I was a Peace Corps volunteer in the late 1960s with the Schwa, who were deep, deep in the Amazon, hunters and gatherers, and they taught me how to walk. That was the first thing. And they said, you know, when you walk, don't look at your feet. We notice that you gringos look at your feet. Don't look at your feet. They're boring. Look all around you. You've got to see everything that's around you. Your peripheral vision will take care of your feet. Study everything that's around you. That's the only way you won't get lost. Uh, when you'll be able to find your way back a week from now, if you really see everything that's around you. To me, that's, that's consciousness. That's the kind of consciousness we really need to cultivate, where we truly look all around us. I think we've come to a society that watches its feet all the time. We worry about what the stock market's doing today. We worry about what the employment figures are today. We worry about what our favorite basketball team is doing today or whatever. And we need to, I think, for us, consciousness needs to be a look out there. How do we create a sustainable, just, and peaceful world for our children and grandchildren? How do we listen to the messages of nature, the shrinking glaciers and the rising oceans? How do we really become aware of these things? Yes, it's about self-awareness, and it's about awareness of all that's around us. It's about walking without watching our feet by seeing the greater whole around us. And I think in the corporate world, the corporations have come to a point where they really watch their feet. The, the daily stock reports, uh, the quarterly reports, no, not looking at the long term, looking at this very narrow view of maximizing profits regardless of the social and environmental costs, something uh, that really came into play in the 1970s, took off in 1980 when Reagan and Thatcher and others of their ilk bought into Milton Friedman's idea of the Chicago School of Economics that the only responsibility of business is to maximize profits regardless of the social and environmental costs. That's an extremely narrow, uh, destructive view, one that's lacking the kind of consciousness that I'm talking about. A greater consciousness from a business standpoint was, would say, business is here to serve the public interest. Yes, we have to make a decent rate of return for investors. That's the only way we're going to get investors. But it only needs to be a decent rate of return. Beyond that, we must be good members of the community. We must be good citizens. We must really serve our employees, take care of them, give them health care and pensions, take care of our customers, take care of our suppliers, and really take care of the, 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 the communities where that we live and work. The, the consciousness from a business standpoint, in my opinion, would involve saying, let business make profit, but only within the context of creating a socially just and an environmentally sustainable or totally sustainable and a peaceful world. And so let's look at this consciousness thing. I think it's great to have the philosophical discussions, but let's also look at some very practical aspects of what that means today in this world that's in such dire trouble right now, and it needs people to be fully conscious of where that trouble is coming from, and how do we change it? How do we move into something that my three-year-old grandson is going to want to inherit? It goes on and on and on. There's a young man here, Jonathan, inspired by him as well, passionate young man. Thank goodness that we have these young people. He talked about this. It's very important that we cannot keep thinking about what we're engaged in today we have to think forward and i think that that has great relevance and that's why i spend a lot of time looking at indigenous cultures as well as old civilizations 
one of my favorite writers, William Pollard, it is the responsibility of leadership to provide opportunity. But this is important, I think, and the responsibility of individuals to contribute. We know in civilization, we know in great powers, we know with America, we can see it on the horizon with China, that whenever you have power, you have problems. And therefore, you have to share the corporate community with the people. And that is one thing that I had a possible problem this morning was the terminology that was being used, customers, consumers, our buyers. We have to look at people differently. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror. We're all one. We have to steer away from that mentality of us making money out of these people. They have to be us. They have to be the corporation. They have to be part of it so that everybody's working as one. Energy, water and food, that was raised this morning, extremely important. That's part of this program. Crossing over the bridge, infusing people with the idea that there does have to be a new governance. There does have to be transparency. And I'm going to put out a uh, gauntlet here because in so many events like this that I go to, I will always have people say to me, yes, I'll do a program with you. In less than two weeks later, they'll call me up and they'll say, sorry, we can't do the program with you. Our attorney won't let us. That is not transparency. That is not serving people. I'm sorry, that is one part that I'm very, very adamant on. That has to change. There was a gentleman, you sir, I believe attorney. Hopefully you'll understand where I'm going with that. It is one area that I see as a major problem. Let's all talk. In discussion, I'm not going to point any fingers. When I'm on the program, I am just listening. That's my gift, is to listen and let the audience figure it out for themselves. I'm not a main media. I'm not going to make judgments, and I never will, because we are all one. And I know that in my programs, as, as soon as I make a judgment, I'm judging myself. Joseph Campbell, he is a hero of mine. He's involved in a lot of my work and actually a lot of my thinking. He said, the only myth that is going to be worth talking about in the immediate future is one that is talking about the planet, not this city, not these people, but the planet and everybody on it. And what it will have to deal with will be exactly what all myths have dealt with. The maturation of the individual from dependency through adulthood, through maturity, and then to the exit. And then how to relate this society to the world of nature and the cosmos. And until that gets going, you don't have anything. I think that's an incredible statement, considering that this man has been passed for some time. He could see into the future, as many of these writers do. So my message is, with the programming, we do have to look forward in terms of looking at the planet now first. Not money, not profit. Right now, I don't think it's necessarily about people. I think it's the planet. And these are the essential qualities that I use in the programming. Humility is absolutely huge. Understanding to the common goals, that's not only to people who work in the corporations, but also those people that the corporations are serving. And that's a tough one. And again, the main media has not been able to find any methodology to that. In discussion has. Unified objectives, joint responsibility, that speaks for itself. In discussion has something like 6,900 pages only after 14 months. Every single program is archived. But there are now 343 hours of programming on there. And they're being hit hard, especially by education. And they are a legacy. 
it's the legacy that's important so that people in the future in 10 years can actually look back on this. What we know by looking back in history, Bruce will resonate with this, is that we always, always know when civilizations imploded always know why they imploded and usually it was because of greed, lust, whatever it was with the Roman Empire and any other civilization. What we never have is a record of what the gap is between that implosion and how it evolves afterwards. I truly believe this generation is the first generation who can actually write the narrative, drive that narrative through this gap into the next epoch because of the tools, because of the internet. Imagination is extremely important. Elimination of ego. I talk about the human frailties a lot. Uh, those are ego, codependency, addictions, denials. They are rampant in society today. Benjamin Franklin, to be humble to superiors is duty to equals, courtesy to inferiors, nobleness. And I think that has relevance here today. Thomas Merton, pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. My favorite writer again, William Pollard, without change there is no innovation, creativity, or incentive for improvement. Those who initiate change will have a better opportunity to manage the change that is inevitable. There I would resonate that it is the corporate community that will drive this change. It is definitely not government. Uh, my perspective of government is that it's broken. So in discussion is uh, for me, the greatest of blessings. It allows me to be mentored by wonderful people like Bruce Piasecki. In the space of 14 months, I am literally mentored by the greatest leaders in the world who are constantly on my back, constantly Skyping me, constantly phoning me, because I am smart enough to know that every single day we can go off track in two-degree spurts. And I have wonderful people to bring me back onto track as far as keeping pragmatic. There are programs like the BP, I've lost it, not on the program, but sometimes I will come off and I'll go into a room and I will throw things around. But my gift is that I can then come back in the next day and I can be pragmatic and I can be calm and I can be loving. And I think the compassion is what it's all about. I put it to you, you, I, we have a long way to go. As far as technologies are concerned, I think we're banking on the wrong ones. We're all talking about surf power and wind power. I think there's other technologies, and I think that you're going to find them very quickly. In this programming, I make sure that I support everybody, and I certainly support the corporate community. I am impressed and inspired. But I will finish up by saying this. I need to talk to you, not for me, but for my audience, for your audience. I would like as many people to come onto this program. If you don't, I'll know where you stand. And that's me just saying how it is. Because we cannot have attorneys stopping people talking about their corporations. The corporations have to be transparent, they have to serve the people, they have to serve the citizens. And you have a different vehicle within discussion. You have long programs with great narrative that do nothing but just serve a purpose in listening to you so that people can make up their own minds and they can then act on it. Because at the end of the day we are living in a world where we have to admit something. First of all, personally we have gifts. 
corporately, and we don't understand this, we also have gifts, and those gifts corporately need to be defined and expanded upon. What is that gift? You know, we talk about supporting people, we talk about serving them and making money out of them. How about looking at it from more from the point of view with a corporation of what is our corporate gift to them so that they can feel cherished, so that they can feel that they are served properly, that that corporation is not just on the money profit line. The other thing to consider in closing is that it is evident in this society that we are all very broken. I know people either side of the fence. Uh, my friends are in the city of London, my friends are in BP, individuals, scholars, leaders, scientists, the whole lot of them, they're all here and they're all coming very quickly. And one thing that I will admit, because we are all conditioned, is that I'm broken. I have to be broken to be in this world today to see what's happening. That means everybody's broken. And if we all accept that we're broken, then we can easily get out of being broken. But we have to accept it first. And in terms of geopolitical system discussion or in terms of geography or people around the world, the idea is to let them know that there are problems, but we're going to solve them. There is a tide in the affairs of men, and this is very important, which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. Omitted, all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. What about all the things that you said we were to gain? What about killing fears? Is there a time? What about all the things that you said was yours and mine? Did you ever stop to notice all the blood we shed before? Did you ever stop this notice, this crying herb, this weeping show? David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. In Discussion with David Gibbons is sponsored in part by Bowman Global Change. Specializing in helping companies reduce their carbon emissions, Bowman Global Change applies real science to real business practices to produce results. From designing green programs to one-on-one training to helping set up green action teams in your business, Bowman Global Change translates complex science in practical ways that everyone can understand and use. For more information or to discover how Bowman Global Change can help your organization, visit bowmanglobalchange.com.